This morning we'll be talking a little bit about uh, spiritual training. This idea of we need to be strong and, and be healthy. And this will be a little bit of a series that we might jump in and out of as we get closer to um, maybe up before Easter and then afterwards jump back into it. But First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, well, God is speaking through this verse. For physical training, so the Apostle Paul is he's encouraging, he's written a letter to, to young Timothy, a person he's raised up and who's now leading a church. He said, for physical training is of some value. It's of value, right? It's of some value. But godliness has value for all things. So we know physical training has value for some things. But godliness, this idea of, of spiritual strength and health, has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So we're going to be looking at this, this notion of how do we... And I feel like I kind of give me this image of, a, of an athlete in training. And we see the Apostle Paul uses this analogy a lot. He uses sports metaphors quite a bit. I like to think I would have hung out with Paul at, the, at a Brewers game or went to a local boxing match or something. He seemed to enjoy those things as well. But oftentimes there's this parallel in the physical that fits with the spiritual as well. And a lot of times, and I think part of what Paul is, is getting at, too, is, is the physical is important. It's important to physically take care of our bodies. And, and some of us would agree, yes, and we should do a better job of that. And then spiritually, too, though. Spiritually, we also are to take care of ourselves. And where the physical has ramifications in certain areas... You know, we could live a shorter life if we don't take care of ourselves. My mom always said, wear your helmet, you know, don't jump off of that. Still did. But anyway, uh, we take care of ourselves physically, and there's benefits. But we sometimes neglect to take care of ourselves spiritually. And when we fail to take care of ourselves spiritually, it affects everything, even the physical. We can't separate this physical life on this linear plane. You know, we were born, and then we're going to die, and back into the dirt. And we're like, well, that was good. Our spiritual life is meant to affect now. It's not just about, about being saved from this world and then someday going to be with God. No, our spiritual life is about experiencing and bringing God now into the physical And God has called us to that. He has called us to a purpose. And if we do not prepare and train ourselves spiritually, we will not be strong enough and healthy enough to do what God is calling us to do. And if we aren't training and preparing ourselves spiritually, our physical lives as well will not be as strong and as healthy as they should be. We, we can't separate this, this physical life and those worries of finances and, and relationships and then praying and all. It all goes together. It all goes together. 
And oftentimes, the, the physical is a lot of times really just a reflection of the spiritual. When we are spiritually a mess, our lives, emotionally and mentally and physically oftentimes, will be a mess as well. And in this Greco-Roman society, they, they valued physical strength and, and symmetry and, and health and vitality, and they had their, their Olympics, and, and, and Paul obviously enjoyed it, admired that a little bit, but he said, you know, that's great, but that is nothing if you neglect, church, your spiritual well-being and do not train and do not prepare and do not grow and do not strengthen. An athlete does not get strong and healthy. An athlete does not tone and prepare their body for the task by doing nothing. We have the Winter Olympics uh, taking place, and I saw the, they had the bobsled teams. I always enjoyed bobsled. I think if there's any chance I have of getting into the Olympics, it might be on that that crazy one-man little skeleton thing, and you're flying down the ice just an inch off of it. I think I have a chance there. But I was watching. I was watching, and they had the, the women's bobsled team, and they, you know they've got those really those tight suits, and so their arms and muscles are just rippling. I was like, man, I wish I was as muscular as those women bobsledders. <laughs> so we're like, what? But that didn't happen by accident, did it? Yes, we have genetics. Yes, we are born with certain capabilities. But we never, ever achieve our potential by accident. Potential is achieved with intentionality and purpose and commitment. Likewise, Christians of strong faith who have done amazing things for God, we see them sometimes and we think, man, they were just born with it. No, They are born as weak as us. Christians of strong faith likewise don't get spiritually strong and healthy by doing nothing. Christians of strong faith and calling and spiritual giftings have developed those. God gives us those, but they we have to develop, we have to train. By being purposeful and intentional in our spiritual lives. We cannot separate our spiritual lives from our physical lives. The two are intimately woven together. When we try to separate the two, both suffer. Because if we do not put intentionality and practice into our physical life, That is where we practice our spiritual life. That won't happen. And so we must be intentional. We must train both physically, and I'm talking about how we organize our lives, how we live our lives. Paul is challenging to live holy lives as they practice living holy lives. And it's not easy, is it? When you really, really, really want to do what the rest of the world is doing, it can be a challenge to do what God is calling us to do. And just like an athlete, when you really, really, really 
want that extra donut. And you really, really, really want to sleep in, but you know you're not going to win your game or your fight if you do that. There has to be intentionality. So we're going to be looking at different practical ways because we, we spiritualize and we've been talking a little bit theoretically about God being in God's presence and, and staying in his presence, allowing his presence to consume us and to transform us and his spirit upon us. And then, we're going to be getting into the end then part. How do we stay in that presence? How do we practically, we talked about humbling ourselves and putting ourselves on the altar, laying ourselves out so that God can have his way within us. How do we practically do that? And so the spiritual training that we're going to talk about is giving us practical, biblical ways that we can simply grow and strengthen spiritually, but also it has all benefit to all areas of our physical life as well. So this morning, the the number one thing we're going to be looking at, this idea of training. If you're going to compete, if you're going to be in the big game, you have to train, right? We have in Milwaukee, we have that that big uh, ice rink. A lot of our Olympians trained just down the road in Milwaukee. Spring training's in effect. Uh, Baseball players are going to Arizona, Florida. Man, maybe we should do a... No, never mind. (laughs) They're going someplace where they're training, they're preparing... Even boxers and fighters, it's interesting, when they train, and we, we think of a boxer as that one person that's in the ring by themselves, they are training with an entire team of people. I got to help a, a, a fighter not too long ago. He's going to be, he actually won his last fight in Iowa, and he's going to be going, I got to get in the ring, put on some gear, and let him, myself, be one of the people he got to beat up on, so he could train to get to where he's going. So I, I like to think that one time he Hit me pretty good. That's what gave him his shot to win. <laughs> but when we train, first thing we've, we've got to, and I believe this is a message for our church today and for the church in America. And if you're, if you're listening to our podcast, I, I apologize. Today's message may have you wishing that you were here, um, and we'll get into it and you'll know why. Number one, train with the team. Train with the team. People who train alone can't train as hard and will often end up skipping leg day. The church. Now, if you aren't familiar with working out or exercising, um, and Andrea, by the way, she, she can help you out. She is shape. I've seen it. She's got muscles. But she will tell you, you can't train just part of your body, Right? You imagine if, if Andrea only tr- did curls and she came in with these giant biceps and it, 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 it doesn't work. And so this idea, a lot of times when people are working out, they all want to look good and most people get noticed from the, the waist up. So a lot of guys, they'll spend all their time working on their upper body and never work out on their legs because it hurts and it's, it's painful and it gets annoying. And so sometimes you end up looking like this guy. So, friends don't let friends skip leg day. He's got these big arms and this huge chest and these little pencil legs. 
This is a real thing. This is a person who's not balanced, who hasn't trained his whole body. And spiritually, the same thing happens to us. We skip leg day. American Christians skip leg day. They skip church coming together and worshiping. And I guarantee you, your legs are one of the most important parts of your body, if you, especially if you plan on running or walking. It's what holds you up. It's your, your base. This idea of train with the team. Because what happens is, if we do not train with the team, this idea of we come together as the body of Christ. This is one of our main training times together. We learn, we grow, we encourage. With a team, you have this aspect of commitment. I remember as a kid, I wanted to play baseball, and I was allowed my parents, one thing I thanked them for, thank you, Mom and Dad, if you're listening, you should be. I'm your son. Is that they said, great, if you want to do this, great. But commit. If you're going to do something, do it all the way. Because people are relying on you. Because you have committed to a role, to a part, to a position. And if one part, one piece is missing, the whole team will suffer. And Christ has called us together as his body, as his church. We are a team with a goal, with a mission to live out. And so many Christians are living lives separate apart from the team. We've used this metaphor a lot. Sitting in the lazy boy with a jersey on does not make you a part of the team. You may be signed up with the team, but if you're not with the team, you're not with the team. And the value of, of the team, where is why I feel it's so important that we train with the team is this aspect of, of together we grow, we encourage, we grow stronger. But we need encouragement. How many of you have ever had a, an idea you wanted to start a new, a new hobby, whether it was a, a new commitment to exercise or, or, or dietary change. How many of you have tried that and then it didn't work real well? All of us. All of us. Now, how many of you have done it alone and how many of you have done it with a group of people? Okay, a few of you. Now, how many of you did what you were supposed to do much more often, we're much more successful because there were other people involved. Okay, a few of us. A few of you are like, nope, they couldn't help me. <laughs> we have to train together. Life is difficult. Life is hard. And as we just said, we fail, don't we? Even within a team setting, we fail. And so... It's so important then that we be together because when we fail, we've got somebody to pick us back up. 
Because when we fail, and this has happened to me, we can see what will happen here with the next guy. This can happen. This is what happens when you train alone. (laughs) You get pinned down by the weights. As a team... And this happens even in, in, in bodybuilding, weightlifting, you're, you're training, even though you think you're just training your body, you need people with you for a couple reasons. One, to encourage you. We can always see the potential in each other more than we can see it in ourselves. We will always give a little more effort when there is somebody else there cheering us on than if they're not. I can tell you time and time again, and I often go and I'll work out on my own, but when there's someone there, I'm able to do more, more weight, more reps, because that fear of failure is taken away, because I know when I have gone as far as I can go, there is somebody there that is going to help get me the rest of the way. We need to train as a team. We need encouragement from one another. We need spotters, someone to to pick us up and to to pull off that, that weight when we can't get it done. Through all of that, we are made stronger. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. part of the scenario there in Matthew chapter 18. But Jesus is is teaching his disciples that there is a spiritual power and authority that they possess when they are together that is greater than when they are apart. That when they are together in unity, the voice of God is able to speak clearly into their lives and into their situations. I know that I hear from God, but I know without a doubt when I gather with other believers and they are hearing the same thing. I know that God can do miracles, but when I gather with other believers who also believe it and have experienced it and we share that, we together grow in our faith and we create the opportunity to grow and to strengthen spiritually and for God to do miracles. We are not called to live our faith and our lives alone the church itself that we are a part of. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It began with people coming together. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, coming together, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. When the church comes together and lives in community and lives out the purposes that God has called us to, people will be saved. If we want to see God move in our nation, if we want to see people saved, the body of Christ must stop separating itself and come together. Beginning of the church, Acts chapter 2, the church would not have started if the 120 disciples had not come together. The church would not have grown if the 3,000 new believers believers did not continue to gather together. The church today is a continuation of the same church that we read about in Acts 2. And if we do not make gathering together and living in community with each other a priority, how will we grow and reach the lost? Because that is how we do it. That is God's plan. And when people come to Christ, where do they go if the church is not together to be that new family, that place for them to come? I love the beauty of this group that is here. Many of us here, God has, we've been transplanted from where we grew up, were born and raised. But we have a place here where we are a family And we belong because God has brought us together. The world needs saved. Lives need rescued. And this only happens when the church gathers together in celebration and worship of who God is and his love and and serve him and each other. I'm going to just on a little soapbox here for a moment. Modern technology is great. I love it. It makes sharing the gospel easier. It makes uh, the podcast, uh, videos, you know, a lot of churches are doing it. It's it's great. And I believe it is a gift from God that that churches can use to reach and serve those who who physically can't make it to a local church or or shut in due to illness or, or have no choice because of work. We have church members who are serving overseas in the military as well. But if you're listening, I want you to hear this. God did not give us technology so we could enable a lazy and idolatrous Christianity built on a consumeristic worship of self-comfort and isolationism. God did not give us technology so we could separate God did not give us technology so we could be more comfortable because we don't have to see somebody that we're going to have to hug and love and give to. God is calling his church to come together and to love one another and to encourage one another and to shake off the idolatry of this nation, which is all about serving and being comfortable. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Church, this is our mission. This is what we are called to do. This is where spiritual life and strength begins and ends. If we want that fullness and that richness of Christ in our lives that we as believers say, then it is only found in communion with Christ through his body. There is a reason why people in parts of the world where they do not have the freedom to gather together like we have will risk life, will risk it all to gather together with other believers. And when they do, they are joyous and they are glad about it. They don't complain that they had to walk three hours. They don't complain that they had to change different directions and trains so that they wouldn't be followed by secret police. They are happy to do it because they know when they get there, Jesus is there with them and their other believers, and God has called them to encourage and to strengthen their other brothers and sisters in Christ. And they know that the world around them is dark and in need of saving. And unless they come together, that light will not shine. The fullness and richness of a life in Christ cannot be experienced apart from the rest of the body of Christ. We are called to sing and celebrate together. We are called to come together and celebrate who God is and what he has done for us. And who says, I just want to celebrate all by myself. I don't, we, we, I often, and I've said this myself. I've, I've, I've processed through this. I've gone through this phase of my life too where I'm like, God, you know, I don't really need the church. I can just, just you and me. We can be great. We can have a little celebration right here in my bed. Woo! But then your team wins. Your baby's born, your birthday comes along, anniversary, and you want to celebrate with other people. Maybe we need to get as excited about what God has done for us and want to celebrate with other people and want to invite other people who don't even know what the party's about and invite them so they can understand and learn. We need to come together and celebrate The church will not overcome the darkness of this world by going around going, oh, it's so bad. We will overcome by coming together and celebrating that victory and power in Christ is already here. And as we celebrate, God will be God. And he will do what he said he's going to do through us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. The author of Hebrews gives this directive. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. This is not the, the modern ch- American church problem of, of church of people not um, attending and di- disappearing. This was not a new problem. Right a- from the very get-go, 
as they started to experience persecution and different things, or they just got happy and content, that they began to neglect, like, oh, you know what? Well, we worked really hard in the fields. We'll, we'll catch the clan next, next, next month. And as they began to do that, that fire and that joy and that celebration and that connection with God dwindles. Like little coals, we are called to come together and burn brightly. And as we separate from the body of Christ, our spiritual strength and fervor dwindles. And it gets cooler and cooler. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. They had this expectancy that Christ is coming back. And people need to know who is coming back. And they need to know what he has done for them. There was this expectancy, and that's why they came together and they celebrated, because he is coming back. He is coming back. So that means the injustices we see will be dealt with. That means all the things that robs us of joy have been defeated. That is why we have joy. That all the things that try to take our peace away, we know that they have been defeated. And that is why we have peace. And he is coming. And so, 2,000 years from now, I tell you, he is coming. And the reason he didn't tell us when he's coming, because he wants us to live each and every day as if he's coming tomorrow. read church leader's article. It said, less than 20% of Americans regularly attend church. There was one that said 30 to 40. But this group said, you know, we crunched the numbers. We think they're lying. We think it's more like 20. But according to Barna Research, 73% of Americans identify as Christian. I want this to be encouraging. If we're in the 20%, let us celebrate. Let us celebrate, let us declare what God is doing, and let us go out and start bringing people in. Let us start encouraging, let us start waking up our brothers and sisters, and let's pray for them. Pray, and we've been praying, and I believe God is doing it. The Holy Spirit is working and speaking in people's hearts and waking them up, because the church is a sleeping giant. There is not a problem in this world that a fully empowered, awoken church could not overcome. The violence in this world, we have the solution. The hatred and the bigotry and the anger in this world, we have the solution. And the world is in darkness and chaos because the church is sleeping. And if we waken and come together and breathe in the, the oxygen, the air of the Holy Spirit and exhale God's power out in his word into the world around us, we will see lives transformed and changed. We will see hope 
where there was previously hopelessness. We will see purpose where there was a lack of meaning. We will see love where there was hatred. So I want us to ask these questions this morning. And if you're listening to this and you're not here, or maybe you're here and you haven't been here for a while, there's, if you're like me, there can be an immediate response to a message like this. It can be like, well, well, I've got these reasons. Forget the past. This is what God's calling us to now and forward. Forget the past. God is calling us, church, to come together. What do I need training in? And have I asked for help from my teammates? So many believers are struggling in their faith. They're struggling in life itself. But that spiritual strength and help that we have from training together helps that. So what do I need training in? And have I asked for help from my teammates? The church. Two, do I make it to enough practices and training sessions for what God is calling me to? And if you're here this morning, you probably are doing well. You're probably in that 20. So this third one might also apply to us. Who or what kind of people might God be calling me to to show up to help, spot, encourage, and support? This message is not my message. It's God's message. And it's not just God's message for me to speak. This is God's message for this entire church body, for all of us to speak. And God is calling us to help be a part of awakening His church. May we come together. May we celebrate. May we create that place of joy and belonging that the early believers created where Christ was there among them, his presence moved. And I just want to challenge us this morning. Let's encourage one another. We have teammates all around. And if you're listening to this and maybe you're not even a part of this church, I just want to encourage you, whether you're part of River City Church or not, find a team. Because we're all part of the same team the body of Christ. Let God put you where you have a place to serve and to function and to encourage others as well as be encouraged. Do not neglect meeting together. Let's pray.